0: like you cannot stand in your presence, Father. And we glorify your might. We glorify your greatness, Father God. Every attribute of you, we glorify and give praise in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice of your son for our sins, Father God. Thank you, Jesus, for your obedience. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah for shedding your blood for sins that you did not commit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for suffering and dying, hallelujah, on our behalf, Lord God. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Father, we bless your name this morning. You are holy and you are righteous and you are glorious, hallelujah, The all praise and all honor belongs to you, God. You are glory, you are honor, you are peace, you are joy, you are happiness, God, you are truth, hallelujah, you are just, hallelujah, 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 Lord, everything you say is right, hallelujah, your timing is the best, hallelujah, your time is always the right time, hallelujah, your way is always the right way, hallelujah, whether we understand or agree or not, Father, your ways are always right, we bless your name, we bless your name, we bless your name, we bless your name. name. In every season, we bless your name. On the mountaintop, we bless your name. In the valley, we bless your name. Hallelujah. Those in-between times where we can't seem to get a hold on anything, where we feel like we have lost all control, we bless your name, Father. We bless your name. That's the one thing that we can be sure of, is that you are worthy, yet instilled when everything in our lives is upended, God, you are still worthy. You're worthy. And we choose to believe that you are still God and you are still good and you are still worthy. We will choose to believe that you are still worthy because you are still worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for another way to commune with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that there are multiple ways to enjoy and indulge in your presence, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One of the reasons that we have worship before our services, and worship is not limited to Sunday morning, just so you know. You don't have to wait until you get here to have a worship experience because God is a personal God and if you invite him into your space wherever you are, he loves you that much and he wants to be with you that much that he will show up wherever you are. It does not have to be in a church on a Sunday morning. He will come to you in your car, at your job, in the grocery store, in the shower. It doesn't matter at the gym. It doesn't matter where you are. You can cultivate his presence. And that's what we do praise and worship for, to cultivate his presence, to to openly say to him. it's, It's like open surrender. Do you think that God doesn't know that he is all powerful and that he can do whatever he wants to do? He does know it, but there is something in our surrender. There is something in our yielding of atmospheres to him. It makes a difference and so when you hear us say things like Lord we yield our gifts to you we yield our atmosphere we yield our thoughts we yield our emotions that is just us moving out of the way by choice because he gave us the gift of choice right and so that's just our practice of yielding to him and that's why we repeatedly say it because it's something that we have to do all the time doesn't the Bible say that we have to die daily it's the same way. You have to continue to yield your atmosphere to him, yield your thoughts. And so that's part of what praise and worship is for, except when we come here, we just get to do it together, and we mimic the sound of heaven, because there are multiple people in heaven, right? Heaven is full of people that are just worshiping, and so we're mimicking the sound of heaven. That's, the, that's one of the points of coming together and worshiping but you can do this anywhere, and you can do this at any time. You can even do it with some of the songs that we sing up here. Pastor John, can you remind us where we can hear the songs that we sing here?
1: I can't keep playing and tell you that, so I'm sorry. I'm not that good yet. if you, in a little bit, there's going to be a, a link for the link tree right up on the screen. If you just go on, oh, look at that, Nanny. If you scan, scan that with your camera or it's also on the kiosks, uh, there's a, in that link, there's the, there's a list of all the worship songs that we, that we do. It takes you straight to an Apple Music playlist. Um, and if you have Spotify, come find me and we'll figure something out for that because I don't have Spotify. Uh, but it's, it's all right there. You can see all the songs that we, that we have, that we do on a Sunday.
0: So if anybody doesn't know a song, don't feel intimidated. You can always brush up on it throughout the week or just whenever. You are welcome cuz we want you to be able to participate when you come. We don't want you to feel lost. We want you to, we want to do this together, right?
1: Because we enjoy doing it together.
0: Let me ask you a question just very quickly. Has anybody ever given you or have you ever given somebody an open invitation to your house? Have you told them, oh, you can come anytime? We tell little kids that all the time. We don't mean it. But we tell them that all the time. If somebody says to you, oh, you can come anytime. You don't have to call. Just show up. As a matter of fact, they might give you a key, right? So if you take them up on that offer and you go to their house, or they come to your house, and you open the door for them or they just walk in, but they walk right past you. They're in your refrigerator. They're in your cabinets. They're in your closet. They're in your pocketbook, your wallet. Wouldn't you be a little confused? Because they're taking part in everything that your house has to offer. They might say thank you, they might not. You probably have a problem with that, right? Why? Because it's so impersonal. So then why? I think we know where we're going with this, right? We have an open invitation to this house. We don't need keys, we don't need permission. We can just come. But isn't it important that when we get here we acknowledge our Father and we interact with him and we take time with him, and we make time with him, and we sit down to hear what he has to say, it's that important. It's just like that. So now that we have made it here safely, thank God he has allowed all of us to get here safely. Why don't we show him some of our appreciation just for that one thing? Because I guarantee you, once you thank him for that one thing, something else is gonna come to your mind that you can thank him for. It kind of becomes a domino effect and the more you thank him the more you'll think and the more you think the more you'll thank him and you will just i don't know what else to thank you for that's okay thank him anyway Keep thanking him because he's still worthy of your thanks. And there's something that he has yet to do that you can put a deposit of thanks for right now before he does it. He doesn't have to do it for you to be grateful already. Because the fact is, he has a plan for you. And he's going to do that regardless. He's going to do it because he just wants to. Because he loves you that much personally. You mean that much to him. So why don't we all together, can we stand and can we worship our God together? Can we give him thanks together? Can we acknowledge him together? And if you feel as though you may not have anything to thank him for right now, thank him for somebody else's blessing. Yes. The Bible says that it is a blessing to just hear of the blessing of another. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I hope y'all are awake because we about to wake up. We about to wake up. We about to wake up.
1: Jesus do you see what I see do you see what I see I see lightning One day
0: To your name, God. We honor you and we bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, God. Let
1: every eye be fixed upon King Jesus. Let every tribe and tongue prepare the way. Let every heart be filled.
2: you back not governments not culture not generations nothing not thought not disobedience lord god nothing not sickness not disease not depression nothing not 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 bondages lord god past present or future can hold you back if the grave was not powerful if hell was not strong enough if the enemy was not mighty enough to take you out at the cross, then nothing, 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 nothing is possible for our God. So we stand this morning and we shout unto you. We give you glory in advance as Shayla was saying. We praise you for the victories that you've done and the victories that are here and we praise you in advance for the victories that are to come. Victories over sickness and disease, over lack and loneliness depression and doubt this morning Jesus you are worthy to be praised that's why we're here daddy that's why we're here to sing of your glory to testify that Jesus Christ came and died but he didn't stay in the grave he rose again and are seated at the right hand of God the Father almighty From one day he will rise up and you'll step back out on the cloud again and you will come to take your children home we testify that truth we remind our souls it's true worthy my friends nothing in all the world is more powerful than the name of Jesus nothing in all the world not our doubt As a man was going through something with his son Jesus said look I can do this The man says, I want to believe it, but help me in my unbelief. I got a little doubt, Jesus, and Jesus said, I got you. Not our sickness. Not our disease. Not our addictions. Not our loneliness. Not our hopelessness. Jesus Christ is and forever will be the living God. And so today, Daddy, right here and right now, in this moment, we pray together that your kingdom will come, your will will be done in our lives, in the people sitting in front of us and behind us, to the right and left of us, to people online today, to our co-workers, our neighbors, our friends, and our enemies. Let your will be done. So we're going to praise you in advance for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God some shouts of praise this morning just for how good he is? Hallelujah. You're a great God. Jesus, we love you. Hallelujah. Thank you for forgiveness and life and joy and peace in the midst of the impossible in Jesus' name. Woo! Hallelujah. Good morning, church. How you doing? Oh, you didn't get your coffee this morning. I know you missed an hour, but my God's a multiplier. I do want to thank you for truly being here this morning, for sacrificing and sowing in that extra hour. And I know for some of us, maybe that's not doesn't seem like a big deal. See, but my God doesn't leave anything that you've given unmultiplied. So when you sow, He actually multiplies for us to reap. So by even just getting up this morning, showing up this morning, setting your alarm an hour earlier, going to bed an hour earlier. I went, I looked at the clock last night, it was 7.30, and my wife said, I want to remind you it's 8.30. I was like, ah! I love, anybody love to fall back? Man, I hate to spring forward. Mmm, but, 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 there's something special about this day. Because you've already showed something. You're tired, but you've showed something. You're weary, but you've sowed something. You've given God something to work with in your life just by showing up today. So thank you for that. Thank you for utilizing your breath today to praise our God. Thank you for reminding us and everybody who was joining us this morning, he's coming back. And I don't care who's in the White House. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world, nothing can stop Jesus from coming. He may come back today. He may come back 20 years from now. He may come back in my lifetime or in my son's 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 lifetime. But I'm going to live like he's coming back today. And I'm going to keep sowing like he's coming back in the future. Because our God deserves to be praised for who he is. That's why we're here today. Don't get it twisted. We are here because Jesus Christ died. He came. He died, he rose again, he's seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, and one day he's coming back. That's why we're here, to give him praise. So thank you for showing up. Look, if this is your first or second time at Connect, welcome. We're really glad you're here. Thank you for being our guest today. We hope you feel welcome. We hope you find this as a family, a community of faith that you can get plugged into. As uh, Pastor John already said, there's links all the way, all, all over the place that you can little QR codes, you can find out about church, you can let us know you were here, all those kind of things, but as we're letting the kids go out with Vito over there, kiddos, you can head out to Children's Church, can you guys give these guys a hand as they're going out, we love our generations, we love people who are pouring into them, we love you guys, as you're being seated, turn to somebody near you, give them a high five, a fist pump, something you feel comfortable with, just say hi for a moment, take a moment. Nothing like being sweaty before you preach. It's always good. Hey, before we have the to word today, I just want to take a moment to wish uh, the, the, the head chef of our TKC, Thy Kingdom Crumb, our mobile food truck ministry. Melissa, happy birthday. We love you. Thank you for doing what you do. You're amazing. Dude, we had this thing this week we with, uh, with uh, some of the sponsors that helped us, some of the partners, and we had them out for lunch, and we were just encouraging them. They were encouraging us, and Melissa made this Reconstructed shepherd's pie with like mashed potatoes and puff pastry and carnitas. Come on, that was so. Yes, anybody else hungry? It's brilliant. Hey, just talking about TKC for a moment. You know, one of the things that's coming up do you believe Easter's in four Sundays? Does that shock anybody else? Shocking. But uh, one of our greatest things that we get to do is to actually bless community in uh, our Easter giveaway as well. And this year, we have so many people and so much need in our community that we want to really continue to make a difference. And uh, the the, the TKC team, they let me know that it's going to be about $1,700 to to just do what we want to do in community. And so I just want to invite you maybe for, to pray about that, to be a part of that. Uh, you know, that, that's different than our tithe. This is giving into the mission of what God is doing. And if you want to do that today, whether it's $15, $5, or $1,500, you can just mark that uh, on your offering envelope. We'll get it there. But it's, it's so amazing. There's so much need in our world. And what a great opportunity it is to make a difference. Talking about need in our world and making a difference I just want to invite you again, or maybe, maybe for the first time if you're here, to join with me and some of our team during this Lent season in prayer for the persecuted church around the world. Man, if you could just throw up that, that slide on the screen real quick. Today in our world, there are 646 million Christians that live in places where they cannot freely worship Jesus Christ. One in seven Christians on the planet, one in seven, one in seven are under threat of persecution at a high level. As of 2023, this year, right here, right now, there are 59 countries in our world where Christianity is illegal or virtually illegal on the books. That means people can simply be thrown in jail without trial, beaten, killed, and executed without trial for simply sharing their faith, for simply carrying a Bible, for singing one song that you sang this morning. We don't have to feel bad about that, but we do have to actually pray for our brothers and sisters who are going through that. That's the invitation. So I'm going to invite you to pray with me at 8.38 every night. That's when I've been praying at 8.38 every night because 8:38 Romans 8.38 reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It doesn't matter, nothing. Jail, prison, this life, death, life, angels, demons, nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's something powerful in God's people. Gather together. Pray for my brother Nathan. I, I can't show you a picture of him. He works with, We've worked with Nathan a lot in Egypt. He works with a lot of people in the underground church, just resourcing them, working with kids, doing uh, outreach in a place where it's illegal to tell people about Jesus. You don't need to feel guilty for living in America, but we do have to, to whom much is given, to whom much, to whom much is given, much is required. We get to stand in the gap for people. Well, I, I want to invite you with that. Look, are you guys ready for the word this morning? No, no, no. I need some juice this morning. I lost an hour of sleep too. Are you ready for the word this morning? That's better. All right. Hey, since you brought your Bible, open with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings is the 11th book of the Old Testament. And it's, we're going to pick up a little bit of, of some of the story that we, had, that we talked just a little bit about last week when we talked about Elijah's response and his, uh, to, to the, the victory he won on Mount Carmel. And if you need a title for today's message, it's Get Ahead of It. Get ahead of it. Look, if you're here today, you're already ahead of it, right? Come on. You lost an hour. You already got ahead of it. You're ahead of it. I love it. You're ahead of it. Good to be reminded of. But I think one of the, one of the greatest dilemmas that many of us face is that we rarely, if we're honest, get ahead of the situations in our life, but we tend to be chasing after them after the storm hits. Come on, I rarely think about filling my gas tank up when it's on half empty. It's not till the light comes on and tells me I'm going to run out of gas that I pull into the Wawa, right? Now, I don't really think usually about getting my oil changed till you know the sticker says after about a hundred. 200 miles after that, I think about then getting it changed. Don't get me wrong. I want to be in front of the curve. I do. I want to be. And there's even times in my life that I see the storm clouds forming. I know it's going to rain, but I get distracted by the things of life. I get distracted by the things around my house. And it's not until the rain starts to fall that I find myself running around my house like a lunatic closing the windows. Why? Why? because I didn't get ahead of it maybe you're not like me maybe you're an extreme planner good for you but when it comes to our spiritual lives as disciples especially living in this American church culture we tend to become and live in a much more reactionary type of moment to our situations Rather than proactively planning the things in our lives before the storms hit, before the blessings come. Last week we talked about hearing the voice of God, getting a word from God. And after we heard from God, the question is, are we proactively responding to those truths? Or are we simply waiting for them to come to pass? Or we're like, man, we heard from God, now we're going to act on it. We're going to act on it right away. We're going to get it involved. We're going to get ahead of it. Or are we just saying, oh, good, God wants to bless me. God wants to heal. I think I'll wait for it to come. Because the Bible says in James 1.22, man, look, don't be hearers of the word only. And so deceive ourselves. we got to get on doing it. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9.24 that we, should be, we are running a race. And since we're running it, we should run it to win it. That means there are some things you got to get out ahead of. There are some things that you used to run with you can't run with anymore. There are some crowds, there are some voices, there are some attitudes, there are some belief systems, there are some generations that you used to call your boys or your girls, you got to stop running. you got to get ahead of some stuff. Get ahead and stay ahead. That's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Because in this text, we're going to see that Elijah had just beaten the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, right? And God shows up in a mighty way, and all the prophets of Baal are put to the sword. And and there's this hope for revival in the air. And in the midst of it, Elijah gets a word from God that something is coming that he hasn't seen in years. And he does something uncommon. The Bible says he decides to run ahead of the chariot. He gets ahead of what's coming. That's the invitation I want to give to you this morning, no matter where you are, whether you're married or single, or married again or single again, whether you're a teen or whether you are post-teenage years, it doesn't matter where you are, can I encourage you this morning, invite you, that there are some things coming, both from the enemy and from God, that we need to get ahead of in our lives. The Bible says this in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 43. Elijah said to his servant, go and look towards the sea. And so his servant went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. That's all it needed, something small, something little. He didn't even need a big thing from heaven. He just saw something stirring. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab. Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black and, and the, with clouds. The wind rose. heavy rain started falling. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, tucking his cloak into his belt. That Hebrew word says, girding up his loins. He ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to Jezreel. Come on, my friends. How powerful is this? He heard from the servant of the Lord what a beautiful picture the Holy Spirit is, the anointed servant of the Lord. He heard from the servant of the Lord what God was about to do, and he decides to run ahead of the enemy for 25 miles. Dude ran a marathon. I don't even want to walk up the stairs. He ran a marathon. Why? Because he knew somewhere deep inside he had to get ahead of it I think the challenge that we all face is that as disciples we discern the danger but as believers we are content to dance in the rain the truth is that it hadn't rained for three and a half years there was drought in the land but Elijah heard that the rain was coming he he heard the word of God like we talked about last week And he was reacting to something that God was doing in the heavenlies. He saw God stirring something, and he started to respond to the stirring of God. And what was his response to God stirring? To get out in front of the enemy. We need to start to get out in front of what the enemy wants to do in our lives. By the way, if you noticed, just as a side note, He waited for there to be confirmation. We talked about confirmation last week. Look what it says. It says, he waited for the seventh time. Seven is the number of completion. He sent the servant to see what he could not see. Do you realize the Holy Spirit sees things you and I cannot see? It's why we can't just trust our gut. I can't just go, just follow my heart. No! Just kind of figure it out. No, the Holy Spirit sees things. You and I can't see. Why? Because Romans 8 tells me that he searches our hearts as well as talks to the Father. There's there's, there's something already stirring there. I was talking to Pastor Danielle about this this week, and she said something so valuable when it comes to understanding this. She said, what level of importance do we find the Word of God has on the things we pray about? What level of importance do we find the Word of God has on what we pray about? Are we adapting to the Word of God in our struggles the same way we might adapt our prayers to the situations of struggle? If not, how do we know what God is saying? If our spiritual life is simply based on my prayers were answered because my situation shifted in my favor, or my prayers weren't answered because my situation wasn't shifted in my favor. The Word becomes irrelevant, and intimacy with God becomes circumstantial. But intimacy, my friends, comes through the communication that He has with us in His Word, face to face. It's not based on circumstantial evidence. God is good whether you're facing something good today or not. My God is great regardless whether you're feeling small. Come on. I am not alone, even though I'm lonely, because my God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. So it is His Word that should cause us to adapt our actions. It's His Word that should cause us to influence our prayers. the, The Word of God is like our marriage vows, right? It's like our marriage vows. They're the foundation of our relationship. Situations may challenge them, but my response to those words will determine my intimacy with my spouse. There are things that are going to challenge us all the time, but it's my response to the words, to the vows that I've made that determine intimacy. It's the same way for Elijah and for disciples. It all starts with God's word. But I think the issue is, if we're honest with ourselves, is that sometimes all you and I can see is the rain. All I can see is the rain, the blessing on the horizon, especially when we've been in drought for so long, when we've been in pain for so long, desperate for so long, lacking for so long, lonely for so long. Sometimes all we can see are the things that we believe will cause an end to that drought, that man, that job, that promotion, that moment of happiness. All we can see is the rain. So we wait for the rain to come, I'm not going to miss it. I'm going to stand here and wait, not knowing that there's always an enemy right on our heels trying to rob, kill, and destroy what God is doing in us, through us, and towards us. We see it in the, in the parable of the sower. Jesus says in Matthew 13, he says, The word is sown, but then there's birds to eat it, there's weeds to choke it, and there's sun to shrivel it. There are birds to eat it. There is weeds to choke it. There are, there's a sun to shrivel it. Why? Because we haven't tended to the soil first. We didn't get ahead of the sowing. We didn't get ahead of the sowing. We settled with the one out of four blessing when he said if you just tend to the soil, there won't be birds to eat it. There won't be weeds to choke it. There won't be worries to actually burn it out. This is what happens, I think, for so many of us believers in church today, we finally get the blessing that the word promises. But then the enemy, but then we get run over by the enemy's chariot, right? Because we never put any distance in our spiritual man or our spiritual woman between ourselves and his pursuit. We end up, man, with tire marks all over our body. We look like Christian roadkill. We end up being worse off in our emotions because we were blessed, but now we're broken. And this happens so many times in our lives, in, er- in every area. It's not until we get married sometimes that we start to understand some of the issues that we have in our life. Because we don't have marriage problems. We have problems in ourself, ourself that affects our marriage. Sometimes that we didn't even know there were things wrong inside of us until we got into the blessing, to the blessing, to the blessing of marriage came and then you realize there was some stuff in you that shouldn't be in you. Now you got marriage problems. It wasn't until God started to bless us financially and some resource started to come in. We got a little money in our pocket that now we realize we have some financial issues we got financial issues, not because money is wrong, because money's is amoral. 1 Timothy 6 says it's the love of money. We have issues because of how we handle it, right. what we do with it, how we chase it down, what it means to us, how we've idolatrized it in our life. Then we find out we've got financial problems. We've got to recognize, my friends, that many of the issues that get ahead of us Our soul versus spirit issues. Our ways versus the word issues. It was only after I got the desire of my heart and Danielle, and I got in that relationship, that I realized actually how self-focused and selfish I was. It was when the blessing came. There was something I realized I should have got ahead of. It wasn't only till after we planted the church that I realized in myself that I was willing to give myself to build the church, but I struggled to give myself to the people who were the church. It's not that I couldn't have seen those things before. The, the word and the spirit were saying those things. I just wasn't looking or listening. Why? Because I was happy to dance in the rain. I was happy. I got married. I was happy. I have a church. I was happy. Well, I got finance. I was happy. I got this. I was happy. I got that. I was dancing in the rain and not realizing I was about to get run over by the chariot. And see, this thing, there's no embarrassment of it. It's in all of us. We're tempted to wait and find ourselves in the storm, and then we trust God to get us out of it, which He does because He's a faithful God. But sometimes when we end up doing that, we end up getting stuck in the muck because we didn't get, take time to get ahead of the blessing, to get ahead of the rain, to put some, time, some things in place in our lives for when the rain and the blessing falls. To have the character, to have the attitude, to have the life, to have the spiritual maturity, to be able to contain the blessing and steward it well once I've got the blessing. We got to get ahead of it, to steward it. I was reading a story uh, 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 this week about a, a man, a disciple, who was thrown in jail in one of those countries we were just talking about for just sharing the good news of his faith. And he was thrown in solitary confinement. He was, and they wouldn't let him have a Bible. They didn't let him talk to anybody. But he said, man, the whole time I was in there, it was the Word, even though they wouldn't let me have the Word. It was the Word that I had read. It was the Word that I had studied, that the Spirit kept bringing back to me over and over and over. It was the songs that I had been singing worship, not just in church, but worship in my life, that allowed me to raise my voice loudly, even though no one was with me in that cell, to praise God in the midst of it. See, my friends, they can take the Word away from us, but they can't take the Word out of us. That's getting ahead of it. Getting ahead of this thing isn't waiting till you're in solitary. It's realizing that solitary may be an option, may be a circumstance. So I'm going to get the word in me now. I'm going to get some praise in me now. I'm going to change the character now. I know I may not be married yet, but I'm going to act like I am in my spirit so that I can actually get some things ahead, oh, ahead of it. The word says... Elijah ran all the way ahead of the chariot, all the way to Jezreel. Now, what's important is we understand that Jezreel means God gives seed, or God sows. As a disciple, my friends, you and I are called to keep running ahead of the enemy in every area that God wants to sow into in our lives. That's why 2 Corinthians 9.10 says that he gives seed to the sower, so that they can ha- that seed can multiply and the harvest can multiply. The Word is my God providing seed to the sower. The Word is my God providing seed to the sower. So when I've listened, I won't be confused about what it is I'm actually planting. Because when the Word tells me this seed is a tomato, I know when I plant it, come on somebody, I ain't getting corn. It's a tomato. I may not know how high it's going to grow, how wide it's going to be, may not know how much fruit it's going to bear, but I know one thing. The Word told me that it's a tomato, so there's an expectation that comes that a tomato is going to grow where I have planted it. So how do we get ahead of it? That's the question. Somebody should be raising their hand. Pastor, tell me how to get ahead of it. I don't want to be behind. I want to get ahead of it. Thank you for asking We need to tuck and run, not duck and cover. (laughs) Too many Christians ducking and covering, waiting for the rapture. Just going to duck and cover until the rapture comes. We need to tuck and run. The word said he tucked his cloak into his belt, and he started running. He got girded up. Are we tucked up and girded up in our spiritual life? We need to understand the picture of what's happening here. A prophet wore a cloak that represented his identity and his authority. The cloak that was on him represented his identity and authority. It's why when Elijah was actually taken up into heaven, his cloak fell off of him and landed on Elisha, and Elisha got double portion anointed. The authority fell onto him. So what does he do? I think that's the question. What does he do when his identity, or in other words... His self could get in the way and trip him up when he's running after God's Word. What does he do when his identity, the place of his own authority, could trip him up on the way to running after God's Word? The Bible says he tucked it in his belt. He made it secure inside the belt. Well, you and I don't have to be confused about what the belt is because in Ephesians 6, 4, the armor of God tells me that as a man or woman of God, I have been girded up with the belt of truth. We've got to get our identity and our response to God's word under truth. Under truth. How do I see myself? How does God see me? What does God's word say? How do I live this thing out? What is the scripture helping me see? What is God's heartbeat towards my life? That's what the word of God helps me to be. We need to get our response to God and our identity under the belt of truth so that you and I can run. And then, and then we get to trust the Holy Spirit. And then we get to trust the Holy Spirit to make a difference. Did you see that the Word of God said the hand of the Lord fell on Elijah when he started running? Because we can't do this on our own. You and I cannot become holy on our own. We'll become legalistic. We cannot simply understand grace on our own. We'll become humanistic. We need the Holy Spirit because this is what we need to understand. That the Spirit only works in tandem with the truth. The Spirit only works in tandem with the truth we can't be a person of the spirit hallelujah bless god and not actually live out truth nor can we be a person that just stands on truth and tries to do it our own self without the power of the holy spirit jesus said my worshipers will worship me in spirit and truth the spirit only works when you are living out in truth we got to get our lives tucked in tight. I didn't know there was a difference in making a bed until I got married. I didn't know there' was a different levels of tuckness until I got married. Because when I make the bed, it's nice, it's neat. right? The, the bed spreads up there. The nine billion pillows we have are up on the bed nicely. But Danielle, when Danielle makes a bed, she does it with military precision. It is tucked so tightly, you could bounce a quarter off it and get five nickels back. It is tight. But my friends, that's how we, we can't play loosey-goosey. Our lives can't be where the bed spreads and I say, I got the pillow sorted in the right place. We got to get our lives tucked in tight to the word of God. Because there's too many spasms of my body that are going to pull out the sheets. There are too many dogs jumping on my bed, going to mess up the sheets. Come on. We got to get it tucked in. And we need to get our cloak tucked under the truth. Because when we do, we position ourselves to get ahead of it. To get ahead of what? I don't know, the Bible says oppression, enslavement to sin, the enemy's plan. The very first time this is mentioned is in Passover in Exodus chapter 12. God says, "Hey, I want to get you out of enslavement and oppression. So tuck your tuck your cloak into your belt. Eat the lamb of God that I'm going to give you and do it in haste so that you can run. We got to get ahead of the oppression. We got to get ahead of the enslavement of sin. It is chasing us down. We got to get ahead of it." I love, there's a moment where the woman with the issue of blood comes sneaking up to Jesus. She said, "Man, if I can just touch his cloak," If I can just grab a hold of his identity, if I could just grab a hold and know his authority, when I know it, I can get past what the doctors have told me. I can get past my past 12 years of failure. I can get past my loneliness and isolation. I can get out of this moment of doubt and despair I've got in my life. I don't think it is a coincidence that when Jesus was on the cross in John 19, they strip him of his cloak. They're trying to remove his identity. They're trying to embarrass him, to make him less than. Do you realize the enemy always wants you to seem less than to yourself? Less than worthy, less than holy, less than powerful, less than worthy enough to worship him, less than worthy enough to walk in the strength of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of God, less than. That's why we need to fortify our identity under the truth. Last week, after service, we had talked about listening, and I was—we invited people to stay and listen to God. And I was sitting right over there, and I had been praying about a lot of things throughout the week. And I simply heard the word—the word of God—as clear as day in my life. His voice simply said this. He brought the words of Proverbs three, five, and six into my life. He didn't quote. He did not bring the verse. He said the verse. Trust in the Lord with all, 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 all your heart. Kyle, stop leaning on your understanding. Acknowledge what I can do. And I'll make that crooked path straight. I got out. I got an offering slip out. I started writing on the back of it. I know that verse. I've memorized it since I was 21. I know it doesn't matter. Write it down so that when you read it, you can run with it. I wrote it down. I started underlying it. I put it in my Bible. I've got it next to me this week because I knew one thing. The enemy was coming for that word. He was coming to devour that seed. So I knew I had to start worshiping ahead of it. I knew I had to start reading some verses ahead of the time that I needed it so that it could fortify that word inside of me. I had to keep thanking God for what he had said to me over and over and over again, asking the Holy Spirit to renew my mind time and time again, to run ahead of the chariot of the enemy, to fortify the seed, to fortify the word. You know what, this week, On Friday, this is no lie, on Friday, I was going through this message, this message I'm writing, uh, we're doing today. And I got a phone call. And it was one of those phone calls. And do you know what I did in the midst of the phone call? I took out my pen, I got a pad of paper, and I wrote, trust, underline, underline, trust, underline, underline, all, underline, 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 trust. Why? Because I was fortifying the word in my life. That's why David says in Psalm 119, 28, fortify me with your word, God. Fortify me. Talking about David, that same word for girded up is used about David when 1 Samuel 17, when he gets girded up with Saul's armor and it doesn't fit. See, my friends, the reality is we don't have authority when we're trying to walk around in someone else's identity. We don't have authority when we're just trying to live someone else's life. Be so, look at someone, if I could just have their Instagram, if I could just have their followers, if I could just have their job, if I could just have a husband like theirs, if I could just have a church that big, if I could just have a marriage like them. Man, there is no authority when you and I are trying to wear someone else's identity. Why? Because the armor isn't ours. There's some armor that isn't ours we got to stop trying to wear and some armor from a different time we got to throw away. Here's what I know in my life. There are some things that don't fit me anymore. I'm not just talking about the clothes because I need to get on a diet. There are some attitudes that I used to be okay with that don't fit me anymore because now I'm a child of God. There are some things, some lifestyles that I used to be okay with that in my life that now rub me raw because that's not who I am anymore because now I'm a son of Jesus. How do I know? The Word. The Word. The Word. It's the truth. Did you, did you, did you see in that that it was the servant that said the rain was coming? It was the servant that said. The picture of the Spirit brought the truth. So in order for us to become the beneficiary of the blessing, we got to tuck our identity under the belt of truth and start to run ahead of it. What I love about Elijah is that he didn't compromise and ride with the enemy, even just a little bit. Even though riding with the king in his chariot would have boosted his ego, would have boosted his status and community, would have boosted his prestige, would have boosted the likelihood that that man, as old as he was, was going to make it to the city. But instead, can't you hear Elijah screaming out to us, I relied on the faithfulness of God. I relied on the power of the Spirit. Rely on the faithfulness of God. Rely on the power of the Spirit. The Bible says in Romans 1:17, the righteous or disciples of Jesus shall live by faith. Our faith is bolstered, my friends, in the presence of his face. It's not just having FaceTime with Him so we can get the value of what He's saying. It's getting FaceTime with Him so we can get the value of who He is. Because when we're around Him, when we hear Him, when we're just in His presence, we're reminded how great is our God how great is our God sing with me how great is our God all oh, we'll will see how great how great is our God come on how great is our God sing with me how great is our God all oh, we'll will see how great how great is our God The moment I'm around him, I'm reminded of how great he is, how small I am. We've got to realize, my friends, that there are always two things chasing us toward the city of our sowing. Two things, the enemy and the blessing. The plan of the enemy and the purposes of God. Both the chariot and the rain clouds were following Elijah. In every moment, in every movement of God in our lives, there are two elements always present, chasing us down. The enemy and the blessing. That's why we need to open our eyes. We can see it from the very beginning. God says to Cain in Genesis chapter 4, Hey Cain, if you do what's right, there's blessing. But don't get it twisted. Sin is crouching at the same door. There was blessing and sin. The enemy... And God, at the same door, it's why God says to him that you've got to rule over sin. That Hebrew word for rule is to utilize dominion. My God, my friends, as children of God, we have been given dominion. It is not our dominion, it is his dominion. But we need to start utilizing the dominion that God has given us, the authority that's in his word and in his spirit and activating it in our lives and actively running ahead of it. We see it not only in Cain, we see it in the disciples. Peter, Matthew 16, we've talked about this before. In one moment, he's getting this revelation from God. You're the Messiah, that's awesome. Split second later, he gets run over by the enemy. Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. But I know this. The Psalm 23, verse 6 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That Hebrew word to follow means to hunt me down. Surely, goodness and mercy are hunting me down right now. We have to get ahead of the enemy's plans, and we have to get ahead to prepare our lives to properly handle and steward the rain when it comes. The truth is, my friends, in antiquity, kings would often send servants ahead of them to announce their victory, to stir up the people before they arrived. To set the narrative. Elijah knew he couldn't let the enemy set the narrative. He had to allow the word of God to set the narrative. I think the reality is for us as disciples is that we need to understand. That we need to beat the enemy to the gate of our sowing. Because back then at the city gates it was a place where the elders would sit. Who would rule over and influence the city. That's why Absalom sat there when he wanted to try to overthrow David. And they would influence people based on the report that they heard. And I think the challenge for you and I is that so often we allow the enemy's messenger to cloud the report. To taint what we have seen. Or to taint what the servant has told us. Remember, this is the servant. This is Elijah's servant. It's the Holy Spirit, the picture of the Holy Spirit that had told him this. Just what we talked about last week. When we hear from God, but what is reported is what will influence the thinking of the place of your sowing. What report you listen to will influence the place of your sowing. And I think the issue is, if we're honest, at times we hear from God But before we decide to start to truly run and put some distance between ourselves and the enemy, the enemy's report hits the gates of our soul. We heard the word, but we haven't decided, do I really want to live it out? How am I really going to do it? What's it going to cost me? And the enemy's report gets to your soul first. And it starts saying things like this. He can't really be asking me that, right? That seems a bit much. I mean, I know it's good for others, but maybe for us, I'm really not sure. You, you, you can't do that. You don't really need to go that far. I mean, he said he would bless you, but those are storm clouds coming. And our soul is so used to fear and doubt and manipulation that it always sees storm clouds when our spirit sees the rain that they carry. I'm going to say it again. Your soul is so used to fear and doubt and manipulation, it will always see storm clouds when your spirit is seeing the rain, the blessing. The breakthrough that those clouds are bringing. Why? Because, yup, sometimes your greatest breakthrough and your greatest blessings come in the middle of a storm. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we are running from the storm when the storm is bringing the blessing. Right. And when we listen to our soul, we're in danger of getting stuck in the muck. It's why John says in 3 John chapter 1, he said, Beloved, I pray. That you prosper and are in health as your soul prospers. As your soul prospers, so a man or a woman prospers. But if your soul doubts, you'll doubt. Someone who doubts is a double-minded man. They're unstable in all their ways. They, They become wobbly and confused and unsure. And that's all the enemy needs to sow weeds where God intended to sow seeds. And we get this beautiful picture. We can see it. In Genesis chapter 8, Noah at the end of the flood, the Bible says he sends out two birds. Verse 7 says he first sends out a raven, and the raven doesn't come back. It goes to and fro, never, never returns. And the reason it does that is because ravens feed on dead things. And how many of you know after the flood, there are plenty of dead things out there for the raven to eat off of? The raven, the raven's report is the enemy's report. The Raven's report feeds on dead things. It's those negative thoughts, those lifeless emotions, those dead dreams, those broken desires, those negative Nancys and critical Carls that we listen to all the time in our life. They're dead things. There's dead things. There's dead things. There's dead things. And it keeps us seeing no way out of the, the predicament that we're in. No way to run forward. It keeps us in our spirit, going to and fro and to and fro. I'm confused. I'm not sure. I'm in. I'm out. I'm here. I'm not here. I love them. I hate them. I forgive them. I curse them. That's what the raven's report does. But stay with me, by the way. That was still in the ark. That was in the ark, too. Oh, there are some ravens in every... Mm, I'm just going to move on. There are some... Just because you win in ark don't mean you're a dove. Just because they say they're the moral majority, don't mean it's true. Just because they say they're for you, doesn't mean it's right. Mm, that's for a different day. But then, somebody say, "But then, but then he sends out a dove." The dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's the dove that comes down like the Spirit on Jesus after his baptism. The difference is where the, where the raven feeds on dead things, a dove won't, only t- won't even touch anything dead. It only looks for living fruit. It only looks for living fruit fruit. It only looks for living fruit. It's why the dove brings back the olive branch. Who is our olive branch? His name is Jesus. What is the fruit his dove is looking for? The fruit that the Spirit brings into our life. That's what he is doing every time. In every one of our storm moments, in every one of our prayer moments, our listening moments, our potential breakthrough moments, there is a raven and a dove, a chariot and the rain. Here's the question. Do you see storm clouds? Or do you see the rain? Have we heard from God, but allowed the enemy's report to plant weeds where God wants to sow seeds? Because here's the rub the truth is, God will manifest his miracle, and we can still miss the blessing. It rained, the drought was over, the crops were watered, the wells were filled, the people were hydrated. But even though Elijah had gotten to the gates, he didn't continue to guard his heart and his mind. Because if you flip the page over, the enemy's report says, because of the victory you've won, now I'm gonna kill you. Now I'm coming for you. And he started to run. But this time he wasn't running to get ahead of it. He was running to get away from it. He was running not out of faith, but out of fear. Not out of desperation for God, but disillusionment with God. He was running out of depression. He was saying, God, just kill me. I don't even want to live anymore. This is why we have to get ahead of it. Because whether the chariot hits you or the rain hits you, we've got to know how to steward it and be fortified with his word. That's why Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and your mind in Jesus. I can't wait for the storm clouds to come before I allow the king to start guarding my heart and my mind. Our victory is not staying ahead of the enemy's report, simply to the gate. Our victory is continuing to run with the word of the Lord until our race is over. Run in such a way as to win it. Not be in it. Not survive it. Not get through it. Run in such a way as to win it. To run, my friends, we must continue to activate the word. Fortify it with prayer, godly counsel, being discipled in forged and shoulder to shoulder, speaking it over and over again. What does the verse 8 of Philippians 4 say? Whatever is good, whatever is holy, whatever is pure, whatever is good report. Think on these things. Pray in the spirit when you don't know how to pray. But pastor, I don't know how to pray. That's right, God's got you covered. Romans 8 says when you don't know how to pray, you've got a spirit that will pray through you the perfect prayers of God. Why are they perfect? Because he searches your heart and speaks to the Father on your behalf. He's praying the perfect prayer for you. And continue to guard our heart and our mind. Because the rain is coming. There are seeds God wants to sow. And there are breakthroughs God wants to bring. So just keep running. Are you ahead of it or behind it? If you're behind it, that's all right. It's just time to rise up and change. It's time to tuck in and start to run. It's start to pray and trust the Holy Spirit to do what only, you, what only He can do. So my friends, listen. Tuck in your cloaks and run. And run. And run. Tend to the soil ahead of time. So when the seed is planted, there are no birds to eat it. There are no weeds left to choke it. There is no worry that can actually shrivel it up. Get ahead of it. Get ahead of it. Get ahead of it. If you're not married yet, man, start to ask the Holy Spirit, what are some stuff in my life that is going to actually mess up my marriage, and let's get ahead of it. If, man, you're believing for that promotion, don't just believe for that promotion. Man, ask the Holy Spirit to show you some stuff in your character, in your nature, in the way you handle finance, in the way that you listen to authority. Because if you can't be faithful in the little, he can't trust you with the more. If we want to actually make a difference in our world, there are things we got to get ahead of. Before we share our testimony with our neighbor, we actually might want to clean up the testimony in ourselves. Come on, somebody. That's some things we got to get ahead of. Well, pastor, I've been running a long time. Good. Run to win. Run to win. What does Shrek say to the donkey that they're like... Onions, all bunch of layers. You know the thing about onions? Every layer stinks. The person next to you is an onion that stinks. You are an onion that stinks. Every layer. But my God takes the smell of our brokenness and exchanges it for the aroma of his praise. That's how good our God is. Seriously, ask yourself, are you ahead of it or behind it? Don't let this word just challenge you. Like, ask yourself. If you heard a word last week from God, maybe you've heard a a word this week from God. Maybe when you're reading or praying, the Holy Spirit quickens something in you. Are you just waiting for that to come to pass? Are you getting ahead of the chariot? I'm going to get ahead of the blessing. I'm going to run with that bad boy. How do I know we're supposed to do it? Because it's what Jesus did. Before he made us, he knew he would have to die for us. So he got ahead of the enemy's plan. The Bible says the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. Before the blessing came to earth, before the enemy's plan could be unraveled, Jesus got ahead of it for you. And if he can get ahead of it on the most devastating thing that could happen in our life, death, sin, and hell... He can help you get ahead of it over your disease, over your doubt, over your depression, over your addiction, over your alcoholism, over over the things in your life that have been kept hidden. My God is a God that can get you ahead of it. The only question you have to ask yourself is, are you willing to run? Come on, let's pray. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, Kyle, I just, I'm ready to run with Jesus. I'm ready to go all in and to hold nothing back. I'm, I'm ready to take that step of, of faith, that leap. My friends, the good news is simply this. When the enemy says you're not worthy, Jesus said, that's okay, I am. When the enemy says you're not good enough, Jesus said, that's okay, I am. When the enemy says, you you have sinned, Jesus said, that's okay, I've taken it. So right here and right now, you can get ahead of all those things that are trying to take you out and take you down by simply making Jesus Lord and Savior of your life. That's the first step as a disciple, to actually become one. The Bible says it's simply easy. To accept the gift, the free gift of God. That all we have to do is confess Him with our mouth as Lord and Savior and believe in our heart that what He did on the cross and in the resurrection was enough. It's enough. I can't add anything to it, can't take anything away from it. All that He did was enough. And if I confess it and believe it today, today, today I'll be saved. Today I'm going to get ahead of death, hell, and sin. If you've never prayed that, we're going to pray that in just a second. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. But maybe you're here and you've prayed that before. But to be honest, you are way behind the enemy's chariot in so many areas. Oh, don't get me wrong. Jesus is still Savior, but it's been a long time since he's actually been Lord of many areas of that life. That same prayer works today. Jesus, I'm asking you to be Lord and Savior. To be Lord of everything. I'm all in. I'm ready to run. I want to get ahead of it all. I'm leaving it all behind. There are some things that don't fit anymore. I got to stop wearing that armor. Got to throw those old clothes out of my closet. Got to get into a wardrobe that's in the righteousness of Jesus. If that's you, you just join in with this prayer too. We're all going to pray this, but pray from the bottom of your heart. Let Holy Spirit do something in this place. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you all of my life. I'm going to hold nothing back. I'm getting rid of this old armor. I'm exchanging my old life for your life. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Savior and the Lord of every area of of my life forgive me of my sin for trying to do it my own way fill me with your spirit I know he's the only way I'm trusting you Jesus I'm choosing today to run with everything I've got I'm not gonna stop I'm not gonna quit I'm not gonna look back I'm going to run till you say, my race is over. And then I will see you face to face. And we will rejoice now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo. Oh, hey, look. Thank you. Thank you for letting me preach that word, for sharing that word with you. Thank you for responding if you did to that word. Because you're not responding to me, you're responding to him. But you started a race today. You didn't finish it. Today was the first step in the journey. Keep running. You can't get ahead of it on your own. You need help. That's why we're here. It's why men's discipleship forged, women's discipleship shoulder to shoulder, it's why we all exist. There's not one person that you will see on this platform, not one person that you will see on that Zoom call, on Forge or shoulder to shoulder that has it all together. We are all onions. We are all layers. Some of us are peeled more than others, but every layer that I've got still sticks. The power is not in perfection power is in the person of Jesus. Get ahead of it. Get ahead of it. Get ahead of it. Pastor Irene is going to come and just, as we get ready to close today, encourage us in our giving of our offerings today. Again, if you, I know she's going to talk to you for, in just a moment, but if you'd like to give into the, uh, towards the Easter T C outreach, you can always mark that in, in any of the numerous ways you can give through mission, and we'll make sure that that goes there and makes a difference in people's lives. Thank you for getting up. Thank you for giving me your ear. Thank you for the privilege it is to pastor this place. I don't take it for granted. I was behind the chariot when I planted this church not in building church but in giving that same passion to building people and there's a breaking that happened and there's a crushing that happened and I'm not condemning myself for where I was I'm choosing today to run ahead to where we can be I am not who I was, and neither are you. You are only who he is making you to be. And in him, I am all things through Jesus Christ. I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I'm the head and not the tail. There's no condemnation in me. There's no shame for who I was. The guilt of the past is gone. There's a newness. The old is gone. The new has come. Speak it. Live it. Put it in your life. Write it down. Underline it time and time again and tell the dang devil he's a liar and to go to hell. Because you are not what he says you are. You are not defined by what was done to you, and you are not defined by what was done by you. You are only defined by what was done for you on the cross of Jesus Christ. The devil's going to tell you, you are what you've done. You are what you eat. I am what he did on the cross for me, and that's it. Anything else is a lie. But i got to get ahead of that bad boy. Or it'll sit at my city gate of my soul and it'll convince me to get stuck in the muck when I was when I was designed to run in the lead. You are designed to run to win. You are designed to run to win. If you've never won before in your life, it doesn't matter. It's not based on on your past success it's based on his success and the Bible says we sang it today the tomb is empty there's no body there that's success that's whose you are stop doubting and let's rise up oh I got to get off here Pastor Irene you got to come give Pastor Irene a hand and she's coming come on
3: amen let's give Pastor Kyle a hand he says it's a privilege to pastor this church. It's a privilege for us to have him and Pastor Danielle as our pastors, right? Amen. Let's give them a hand, both of them. What a great, great message. Well, first off, I'd like to say, you know, as Pastor Kyle mentioned, you can give toward our great Easter event we have coming up. And on the screens, you'll see the different ways that you can give. You can put an envelope in the kiosk. You can also go to the uh, QR code, which is connect.ccbchurch.com, connect.ccbchurch.com, and that's how you can give as well. So last Friday night, my spouse, Pastor Ron, and I, we went to that amazing Sixers game. Did anybody hear about it? There was 1.1 seconds left on the clock, and Joel Embiid did that throw, and he fell back in the court, right? Then he got up, and we watched the ball went into the hoop. And we won by one point, and the crowd went crazy, right? They erupted. And, you know, as exciting as that was, you know, everyday life, we can't wait to the last minute for a victory tomorrow, right, church? I can't just put on sneakers today because I put them on today. I'm going to go run the New York Marathon tomorrow, right? No, you have to train. You have to prepare in advance, right? And Joel himself, he could have never made that amazing shot had he not prepared for years and years, right? So what are you doing, church, today to prepare for tomorrow? What are you doing ahead of time? And, you know, I wrote this yesterday. I didn't even know what Pastor Kyle was going to talk about. I'm so grateful that the Spirit of God is speaking to us and stirring us to prepare for tomorrow. And that applies to our giving of our tithes and offerings, right? There was a massive tornado that came through in 2021. But because you faithfully gave ahead of time, our beautiful TKC truck went to minister to that community that was devastated. Happy birthday, Melissa, right? And because we can prepare today, we'll be able to bless people for that Easter outreach coming up. So I'd like to pray over our offering now and I'd like to use Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is a beautiful prayer from Moses and Pastor Danielle said you can use the Psalms and use the word to pray, right? And in this prayer, it is all about the eternal nature of God, but Moses reminds us how limited our days are, right? So we need to make every day count is basically what Moses says. And he says here in Psalm 90, 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Psalm 90, verse 17, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. So, church, let's pray together and let's ask God to use what we give in advance to make a difference in someone's tomorrow. So, let's pray, church. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. I thank you for that amazing last minute Sixers win that I got to see this week. But, God, in everyday life, we want to make the most of every precious day and every moment that you give to us. So, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom and establish the work of our hands. So, Father, as we give today of our tithes and our offerings, as we give of the very work of our hands, we ask that what we give today, what we invest today, would be a blessing tomorrow in the lives of those in this house and in our surrounding communities. May we use each and every precious day that you have given to us to be a blessing to others in all that we say and in all that we do. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, church.
2: Really quick. Just want to pray, bless you on the way out. Elijah ran ahead of the chariot for 25 miles and the rain fell. Father, may the rain find each of us with containers ready to steward it well. May the enemy's plans be thwarted at every turn of our life. May we choose to run in such a way as to trust you and you alone. We proclaim we cannot, but you can. We're unable, but you're more than powerful. What seems impossible to us is totally possible for you. So order the footsteps as you order the footsteps of the righteous. Open our ears to hear your voice. Our eyes to see what we've been blinded to in the past. Give us the boldness to start running. And the faith to see that those storm clouds carry the rain. Today we trust you. We proclaim your victory. We stand in faith. And we say, "Dear Lord Jesus, let your kingdom come and your will be done." In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you church. We love you. We'll see you next week. Hop into four shoulder to shoulder. We love you.
0: Woo!